Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Want to get a little more from every sip? Smartwater Alkaline doesn't just taste crisp and pure. It's loaded with everything you need to perform at your best, whether you're running marathons or boardroom meetings. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. What's up, everybody? Thanks for joining us today. My name is Ken Swanson. I'm the lead film and draft analyst for Arrowhead Pride. This is the AP Laboratory coming at you with less than 10 days until the NFL draft. I'm joined, as always, by Chief in Carolina and Barley Hop. That is Maddie Lane and Craig Stout. Maddie, how you doing today, bud? Man, I'm doing good. We're ten less than ten days out now. We got the draft coming up. We can get out of this ridiculous speculation season. <laughs> I know the rest of my podcast guys here are dragging a little bit. It's been a long week already on a Tuesday. I understand. We all have those days. We're gonna push through. Draft's almost here. It is time to get rolling. Cheer up, Kent. Cheer up, Craig, the Renaissance man. <laughs> Tell us about your busy days that have gotten you so tired and already worn out. I'm sure you've walked five hundred miles. And built a vehicle from scratch again. And then final time to make some noodles. I I I haven't done anything today. I went to my day job. I got a <laughs> sick kid over the weekend and I've got it. So anybody with kids in daycare know that when they come home from daycare, you're you're getting it and you're just constantly on the verge of being sick. It's hitting me today. So I apologize if you just hear me evacuate the room at the drop of a hat. I'll come back in. It'll be seamless. Oh, See, this is proof that he is, in fact, human, though, <laughs> which I was beginning to question. Yeah, but he, he didn't have to go to WebMD to check his symptoms. He just self-diagnosed like a boss. Self-treated, too. Yeah. yeah I told he, these guys he earlier to his garden. Today. He went into his garden and found some <laughs> herbs and crushed them all together and has has you know found a way to to help cure himself and his family. What and he just, went down to his lab, got the beakers out, started boiling some seltzer water, adding the crushed up herbs before he gave himself his own little pill. And guess what? By tomorrow, this man is going to be running marathons. I don't have hobbies anymore. You guys have ruined my hobbies. <laughs> I don't have any anymore. None of them. Matt- I'm, I'm Maddie, the blandest man alive now. <laughs> Maddie, I'm kind of surprised that he would be able to run a marathon because he just got done running the Boston Marathon. <laughs> I mean, he is just that good that he just can keep running usually. He can do back-to-back-to-back marathons. Craig, his his skin can sometimes have a reddish hue, but it has a very reddish hue right now because he's blushing at all the fake compliments we are getting. Okay, let's talk about not Craig for Thank once. You. Oh. Okay. Thank you. Why am I here then? Um, if you like the podcast channel, we would love your your five-star reviews. That would be wonderful. It's a thing that helps us. And it's a thing that you know, supposedly is a good thing per SB Nation. So would love and appreciate those five-star reviews. If you have not got it yet, you still have a few days left, a little over a week, to purchase the KC Draft Guide at gum.co slash KC Draft. We have 
Over 225 uh, write-ups on prospects and how they fit the Chiefs. There's quotes from some players about what it would be like to be a Chief because we got a chance to ask some people. That's one thing we're going to be adding more of next year is, is trying to get more of those and some other stuff we're, we're excited about. Next year's draft guide is going to be bonkers, but... This one is still very, very good. We are very proud of it. The response that you guys have given us has been fantastic. Guys, 78 people gave us five-star uh, five star rating with those with those uh, draft guides. Can you believe that? Oh, that's no. pretty impressive. <laughs> it's just it's, it's absurd. 78 people read it. <laughs> I mean, that's enough. Maybe, uh, maybe yeah. 63 of them, but... <laughs> Maddie making fake accounts, just giving slapping five star reviews all over the place. I, I we appreciate that, but yeah, go to gum.co/slash KC draft, purchase the guide if you haven't already. Would really appreciate it. So, today we're going to do two things we are going to do a mailbag as we do every week. Uh, we're going to do that at the end of the episode, but we want to talk about three different kind of obscure draft day scenarios and the ramification of those scenarios. So, you know, maybe some things that we haven't really addressed or talked about too much that, you know, some of them might be feasible. Some of them might not, but we're going to go through three scenarios and kind of do some mini mock drafts based on, you know, some of those things that, you know, we maybe have not addressed too much or, or, and are relatively feasible. So Maddie, give us our first draft scenario and then we will mock the rest of that thing. So one thing that I don't think that we've talked about enough on our podcast here is just what happens when the board doesn't fall very good. It falls terribly for the Chiefs. And we've seen a lot of mock draft scenarios. We've run some where we've taken a safety or reached a little bit for a corner at the end of round one just because the board isn't what we want. There's no first round corners or none of the top end defensive ends left on the board. So we take a different position Something that we kind of as a group hadn't talked about enough, I don't think, is what if the Chiefs really do just kind of go with the best player available approach? What if that happens to be an offensive player? No, I don't mean Garrett Bradbury. I understand why some people like him. I, we've done that dance the last two weeks. This week, we're going to go receiver. And again, the popular pick has been Hollywood Brown lately. Just for us, I don't think that he's going to grade out that high. Just the size concerns are there. I think there's issues with his hands, how he approaches the ball at the catch point. There's enough concerns that he's not even going to be the top. He weighs four pounds. I yeah, mean. That, that's a concern. When you actively weigh less than I did as a middle schooler, that is a problem if you're going <laughs> to play in the NFL. Or maybe it's a problem about me as a middle schooler. Let's, let's not go into that. The answer but, is both. <laughs> but no, so here at pick 29, I'm going to take kind of my third highest graded wide receiver, and I think this is the second for us, and that's the other Ole Miss wide receiver in A.J. Brown. I kind of think he's a perfect fit for the Chiefs from the aspect of he did most of his damage out of the slot. That's kind of where the Chiefs look to be replacing most of their snaps. Yes, Tyree Kill, Sammy Watkins, even Travis Kelsey all can play in the slot, but for the most part, those are all kind of outside guys, or with Travis Kelsey's case, he's going to play in line or split out wide. But a full-time slot receiver is something the Chiefs don't have. A.G. Brown can play inside. He can play outside. He runs some of the better routes in the class, and he might have the best pair of hands in terms of consistency and the way he attacks the ball. He's just a very polished wide receiver that would be considered an absolute physical freak if he didn't play and work out alongside D.K. Metcalf. When you see those pictures, you see D.K. Metcalf looking like a superhero, and you glance over to the side, A.J. Brown's 
and completely a phenomenal athlete in great shape, but nobody cares because he's standing next to DK Metcalf. It's just little stuff like that. I think that he really is a very polished receiver. He's ready to play on day one, has a great upside. So if we're sitting there at 29, no corners, no defensive ends left, and when rather than reaching, we just want to kind of take the highest graded player left, there's a good chance for me that's going to be A.J. Brown. And I'm not really too sad about that pick because unlike some other receivers we talked about, I see the upside and the safer floor that you get out of them. Yeah. And then flipping back around to 61 here, uh, the Chiefs now have to address the defense in some way. Uh, At this point, a lot of the edge rushers are gone. You know, they were gone early. So there's not really a whole lot of value there and going forward in this draft. And there was also a little bit of a mini run on corners. You kind of get near the bottom of the second grouping of corners here with Clemson cornerback Trayvon Mullen. He's a guy that makes a lot of sense for Steve Spagnolo. He's a guy that is long. He's got versatility. He can play man coverage. He can play zone coverages. He can play match coverages. He can play a little bit of everything, and he's not afraid to come up and lay a hit. He's a guy that makes a lot of sense. We've got a high you know, fit or likelihood for Trayvon Mullen. I think that at this point here, this is about the right spot for him. He's a guy that could come in and develop and be a potentially good player in the next year or two. So moving to pick 63, and this was the next part of kind of my whole concept here with this draft. It's not just Chiefs taking a wide receiver, but it's the whole part of the score 100 campaign. We're sitting there at 63. We're going to have to go ahead and go with the next kind of best player again. This time we're going with Elton Jenkins, interior offensive lineman, most likely a center out of Mississippi State. Not taking Bradbury in the first round, you don't take interior offensive linemen in round one, but at the end of the second round, a player like Elton Jenkins would be a great addition to the team, help shore up that center position, get that offense going on all cylinders, make a strength even stronger. And then on the 92, Kent is up. And we are going to address the defense because, you know, you go offense twice early. I think you need to, you know, piggyback that with another defensive player. And I'm taking my guy, Tristan Hill. Uh, from Central Florida. Your guy. Yes, my guy. The bowling ball. And okay. he's, he's sure a, your guy. I, he is, I mean, he's pretty much all of our guys, I think, at this point. Like, I think we all just fell in love. But guy. You know what? I had to watch a bunch of really bad quarterbacks and a bunch of very average running backs. So, God forbid I get one of Maddie's... I get Maddie's in, interior defensive lineman 26 or whatever it is, because he's had so much luck there. But uh, Tristan Hill, some of the most fun tape this entire class. I think his best football is ahead of him. Uh, he has an excellent first step, very disruptive, and once he figures things out, he's going to be a good player. Craig, kind of lay out this next tra- uh, this next scenario uh, that we're going to run through real quick. Uh, just kind of tell me, you know, g- give us give us the scenario here. Okay. In the past decade, there have only been four tight ends taken in the first round. I, I Everybody knows that TJ Hawkinson is going to go in the first round this year, but it's not a regular thing for teams to take a tight end early. If he doesn't go early and teams focus on really, you know, this outrageously good defensive line class, it could be that TJ Hawkinson falls. And if TJ Hawkinson falls to around pick 21, the Chiefs may find themselves 
unable to resist. Andy Reid maybe wants to operate out of 12 personnel more often, and who makes more sense than TJ Hawkinson to do that? He trades pick 92 to go up and get Iowa tight end TJ Hawkinson, the best player on their board at that point. There are no cornerbacks that are left or edge rushers, so they go after that. Okay, so now the Chiefs are sitting here with three top 100 picks. So the decision-making process obviously has to be tweaked a little bit now because they've moved up aggressively to grab a great football player in, in TJ Hawkinson. But now, you know, they're stuck with pick 61 and 63. Probably can't move up too much uh, with those with that draft capital. They're probably stuck at 61 and 63. So the ramifications are now you've kind of got to, you're kind of stuck with those picks most likely. Maddie, where are we going at 61 if this were the scenario? So with that trade up and not having a ton of capital left in the top 100, it actually kind of changes the draft strategy on the fly a little bit because now you kind of need guys that can step in and play right away. You don't have the time to wait and take a more developmental guy like an Isaiah Johnson or a Lonnie Johnson. So instead, they're going to take cornerback out of Notre Dame, Julian Love. And this is a guy that we haven't talked about much. We don't think he fits the Chiefs kind of what they're looking for in a corner particularly well. He's a little bit smaller. There's some questions if he can play inside and outside, if he's going to be limited to just a nickel corner. But he's got similar size to Kendall Fuller. He's a guy that has shown the ability to play outside at the college level on a high level. The big thing for him is just he's ready to play right now. He can play in zone. He can play in man. He does show good ball skills, and he's willing to be physical and mix it up. It's just the whole concept that he can come in and play right now if they need him to, and with limited picks in the top 100, especially on a team that needs this much defensive help, he can see him move up their board a little bit more because he doesn't need as much seasoning before he's ready to go. I'm a love fan. I love me some some love. Uh, and then at 63, we've, we're going to address love. the edge. I, I love, 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 love. Uh, we're going to address the edge position at 63 because it's mandatory that we address cornerback and edge. It's contractual and uh, it's a contractual Jeremy, obligation. Cool. Move on. No, no, that's that un, over over my dead body. Uh, that that's just there's no. I, this, it's my nightmare. I'm going with Charles Menahue. I'm going with the Big 12's defensive lineman of the year. Some pass rush productivity. Another LJ guy. Oh, you're calling him to Cody Ford. Mm-mm, nope. Uh, a guy that fits the profile that Steve Spagnuolo typically covets. Productive pass rusher. Length. Uh, and then the Chiefs could have Ogba, Amenahue, and Okafor. Like that's just an elite. It's just the three O's. Oh. And Breland speaks. <laughs> Okay, so let's go so. to the next. <laughs> oh, uh, the next trade. The next scenario is something that we get asked a lot about. If the it O's. makes sense for the Chiefs to trade back, if it, um, if they should trade back, and like I think that's kind of a hard question to ask, just because you know we don't know how the board's going to play out or how the board's going to lay out. But I, you know, we get that question a lot, and I'm sorry if we can't answer some of your guys' questions because we do have some redundancy. Like we try to address some of these questions, but like we've just already answered a lot of them, you know, in the, in previous episodes. And this is one we get a lot. So we're just going to kind of lay it out. If the Chiefs were to trade back, let's just say they didn't like how the board fell and they found a good deal. Uh on the trade chart, uh Picks 36 and 104 from San Francisco are about even. Uh, that's about good value. I think the, the San Francisco comes out a little bit higher on the draft uh, draft chart that you can find in the KZ Draft Guide. But um, 
So let's just kind of go through this scenario. Pick 36. The Chiefs start at pick 36. They have five picks in the top 104, which is kind of an interesting concept. And we'll start off with Amani Oruwarie, the cornerback from Penn State. He's a guy that we've talked a lot about at this point. Got to talk to him at the Senior Bowl. Seems like a high-character kid. Probably needs to get better tackling, but he's got some ball skills. Uh, he's good in zone coverage. And, uh, you know, if, if he kind of grows and develops uh, his technique in man coverage, I think, you know, he's he's got a, he's got a pretty good ceiling. Uh, who are we going with at 61, Craig? At 61, we are going to the offense. We are looking at wide receiver. We need a another big body to be able for Pat to target, especially in the red zone. So we're going out and getting J.J. Arcega-Whiteside. He is a huge receiver, and he wins with jump balls. He's not a, a particularly great athlete. His release isn't very smooth. It's going to affect timing routes, but... He is a big dude that will go up and get the ball. He just kind of got a natural ability to box dudes out. He he's gonna be he's gonna make a lot of sense. You know, they went out and got Kelvin Benjamin last year. He he kind of can play that same sort of role, only you know maybe not as highly regarded. All right, and then at pick sixty three, with extra picks in this scenario, kind of the opposite of the last one. I think you can take a little bit more of a risky pick, a guy that needs more seasoning that's maybe not ready to come in and play right away. So what we have the Chiefs doing is going to take a linebacker out of Alabama, Mac Wilson. Once upon a time, some people had him in contention with linebacker one overall. Not the first guy taken in the whole draft, just the top linebacker in the class. He's fallen quite a bit since then. He had a rough college playoffs. He just looked a little out of place. And that's happened oh, to him little. at times. That's <laughs> happened to him at times throughout his his career at Alabama. It kind of seems like he needs a little bit of time to sit back, learn what he's supposed to be seeing, how to process it a little bit more clean, but he still does present a modern-age linebacker, especially a Mike or a Will, and with the way the Chiefs are looking to play Anthony Hitchens as a Will and then Reggie Raglan as the Mike, they might be looking for a true Mike linebacker. That's not going to be Dorian O'Daniel either. They might be looking for a guy that can really step in and take that role at some point in time. So taking Mac Wilson if he's there at the end of the second round when he doesn't have to play on day one, but he can spend this, spend this year learning, getting his eyes fixed a little bit in terms of what he's supposed to be seeing, there's a high potential there. And with the extra pick, this is the kind of time you pull and make a move like this. Yeah, and at 92, you flip back around, you need an edge. Uh, we know what Steve Spagnuolo wants in his edges. We, we've said it over and over, long, strong, down to get the friction on. Uh, no. So a guy that we haven't really talked about a lot that is kind of flirting around with that late day three or that late round three, early round four range is Miami defensive end Joe Jackson. He's 6'4", 275, long arms, strong guy. He's he's very inconsistent. He's not a guy that necessarily you're going to turn on the tape and be wowed by him, but he does have the kind of profile that Steve Spagnuolo was looking for. He'd be a guy that would fit in well with the same rotation of those guys. You're going to have a lot of guys that can line up all over the place and be functional all over the place. He would make some sense in this defense. 
Well, I think those are the kind of guys that if you're going to wait until 92 to address edge, like that's what you're going to be you that's know, what dealing with. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's, what, that's what you're getting, which I think is part of the reason that we've talked so much about, you know, the guys that are in that 60, 60 and earlier kind of range. Okay, so you, the Chiefs have an extra pick. They've got that. Uh, they've got an extra uh, pick at 104. And we're going to address the safety position with Marquise Blair from Utah. He's a guy that we got to talk to at the Senior Bowl as well. Has a very slender uh, waist, like a like a very slender frame, and it makes me wonder if he's going to be able to hold weight consistently uh, at the next level. And you know, as he's kind of working through stuff, but really strong athletic profile, um, and I think he he flies all over the field. He's kind of inconsistent as a tackler he has the athletic traits to play as a single high safety but he really needs to work and develop uh that side of his game he, his best plays were kind of closer to the line of scrimmage but i think he's gonna have to play deep if he's gonna have success at the next level but i think this is a strong uh pick here you know this late in the process with with a, a good developmental safety we really haven't spent a ton of time talking about uh, but I think we're fans. This is about where we value him. Uh, but that that was that's kind of the scenario where the Chiefs are getting five football players thrown into the mix. Maybe not a guy that you're loving getting. You know, you would rather have you know a Clellan Farrell in a trade up mm-hmm. or a Byron Murphy or you know one of those guys. Uh, if you just take that step back to that kind of you know early th- or the late thirties. That's kind of what you're getting, and you get an extra football player out of it. So and, there's, you know, there's a lot of approaches to take there. And that's a strong 2020 draft right there. Like looking forward to how those guys can contribute yeah. in 2020. That's a really strong 2020 draft. That last one. Yeah, and I mean, I one one or two of these guys will contribute in the first year and you know you've given yourself a chance for you know to hit on a couple of these guys too because you've spread out value across the top 100 players. So you've got. Or- you know, five players in that top 104. Yeah, and we've talked about it a little bit before in the past too. If you're sitting there at 29 and you lose the defensive ends and you lose the kind of the top two corners, instead of forcing a cornerback at 29, why not trade back in this situation seven spots, draft a guy that you would likely still be considering at 29 anyway or at least an equal player there and pick up this extra pick, in this case 104. It would make zero sense not to explore this route if that's kind of what you were looking at at pick 29, which would be the case if we were making the move anyway. So it's little stuff like that that might kind of affect the Chiefs that we aren't talking about enough at this point in time in terms of not looking too seriously about trade backs as often as we should. And the other thing you kind of got to add to this is, you know, 92 or 104 is very easily a trade chip to move up from that 61, 63 spot too. You know, that's another place that, you know, approach that you can take where, yeah, you're still, you know, you're making four top 92 picks, but now you're getting two players in the top 50 instead of you know just one so like that's one of the approaches that they can take where they still have a lot of picks um i don't know we can explore that maybe sometime you know in the next 10 days i doubt it because we're running out of time because the draft's <laughs> almost here but um i i don't hate the idea of if they just if they fall into that um if, if they just kind of fall into a bad spot at 29 they're not able to move up for the guys they want just just trade back just just grab an extra asset and then you've got a lot more to work with just on day draft two. AJ Brown. Just draft AJ Brown. I mean, you, I mean they, that's basically what you did. <laughs> oh yeah, I thought I thought we were selling our draft so that people could vote for mine over yours, Kent. 
Oh, oh mine's we... going to lose. <laughs> Nobody wants to trade up for a tight We're not end. even <laughs> an awesome one. He's Who's the... trying to vote? We ain't, we ain't trying to vote you here. You guys are just saying that because you know I'm going to win. This isn't a democracy. You just change the rules halfway through the process. Well, yeah, because okay. I saw my squad versus your squad. I wanted to win. Uh, eh, I don't know. So we're going to take a break. We will be back with the mailbag right after this. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And we will close this thing out this week with a mailbag as we try to do every week. We'll start with Brandon422 asking me if there's any anxiety over eating the tweet yet. And the tweet would be, uh, I'll eat this tweet if the Chiefs pick at 29. A little bit. Uh, you know, and I think some of the scenarios that could wind up playing out, uh, if maybe what we'll talk about here is that they, you know, traded. Uh, one of their assets for potentially a defensive end on the open market or something like that. I actually like now more than ever, I think there's a possibility that they could stay at 29. Actually, Maddie, what do you think about that? Do you think, do you think the Chiefs are picking at 29? If you, if you had a gun to your head today, I mean, as of right now, the second, no, I don't think so. I've been pretty, pretty strong with that opinion that I don't think they can sit there at pick 29 and hope somebody falls to them. And if they do, it's, you're going to get an equal player that's there at 29, most likely 10, 15, 20 spots behind that. So I would either move up or down. Staying at 29 just seems like a weird purgatory to me. They're definitely picking at 29, Kent. And they're picking Jeffrey Simmons. Like, that's happening. No. I thought they were going to pick Jalen Ferguson. If it's Jalen uh, Ferguson, will you eat two tweets? <laughs> well... Can we just let's table that because there's another question that kind of alludes to some stuff there, but I think he'll wind up making an appearance. Do you think you can eat a tweet in less than eight point oh eight seconds? Yeah, I, yeah. That there's a lot of things you can do in less than eight point oh eight seconds. So uh, just, okay, just I'm gonna have the timer on that. Put, put a put a bookmark in that. I'm sure we're gonna have a, a chance to talk about Jalen Ferguson here in a minute. There's there's two things that are constant on this show. It's me talking about my disdain for Jalen Ferguson's three cone and your and, bad food takes. No, no, my oh. my food takes are great. It's you talking about Port no. Augustine. So that's gonna happen at some point in time. You're correct. Andrew Richard Six asks, "What would it take for the Chiefs to trade for Frank Clark, and who would you rather trade for, Clark or a trade up for Clellan Farrell?" So I I do think it's still like I, I think a second round pick makes a lot of sense. We've been talking about this a lot the, behind the scenes, you know, because it seems like there's a chance that it could happen. Seahawks have no leverage. Like, they really don't at this point. And it does look None. like they're pushing up to the cap at this point, too. So, they don't, they aren't, they certainly aren't spending like a team that is anticipating Frank Clark being uh, on on this roster. And I think a second round makes sense. Uh, Craig, actually, Maddie, I'm going to ask you this first. What, like, what are your thoughts on Frank Clark as the player? Just give us, just give me a quick what, what you think about him as a player. Yeah, hit it, Maddie. 
Oh, so Frank Clark, to me, he's a good pass rusher. I think everybody sees Frank Clark in the defense he plays in and assumes he's another speed rusher like they normally have as their Leo or weak side defensive end. And he's got that kind of explosion off the line. He is a great pass rusher, but he wins a lot more with kind of power. He's a bigger, thicker defensive end. He's got long arms, and he knows how to play with them. He plays with so much power. His speed to power rushes probably make up the most consistent point of his pass rushing game. And he is very dominant with it. You add on to that, he does have that top-notch explosion. He has good counter moves. So he's a complete pass rusher that wins consistently through power rather than speed, which seems to be something that we think Steve Spagnuolo is going to be more interested in for the Chiefs defense. And on top of that, he's a quality run defender. He's not going to sit there and set hard edges versus double teams or anything, but he's more than capable of just disregarding tight ends, moving them out of the way, taking on tackles and making stops. So he's a perfect fit for the Chiefs system as a defensive end. It's just a matter of if you could pry him away from Seattle right now, who actually might be over the cap with the Russell Wilson move and along with signing like 12 other free agents the past two days. Craig, I want to ask you this question, uh, the, the second half of this question. Would you rather trade 61 for Clark or trade, let's call it 29 and 92 for Cleland Farrell? What would you rather do? I I love Cleveland Farrell. I think that he is going to be a really good player in this league for a really long time, and I think making that move makes the Chiefs better. However, your window is open now. It is open for the next two years while Patrick Mahomes is on his rookie deal, and Farrell, while he will eventually get to the point where he will be probably a 7, 8, 9 sack a year guy, and that's great, Year one pass rushers drafted in the first round average right around four sacks a year. That, when we were talking about it earlier this week, we are kind of counting up sacks that the Chiefs may reasonably be able to expect, would put them under 40 sacks for the year. Now, that's not a death knell by any you know sense of the word, mm-hmm. but... A guy getting about four sacks in a rotation is going to have much less effect for the next two years while the window is open that Frank Clark will have. And even though you're having to pay him a lot more money, you can structure it in a way that you can get out of it before you really have to make it count. I would trade for Frank Clark, especially just for a two. I agree. And even though the contract is, you know, it's it's going to be big. Huge, you now, huge. You now have pick 29 one of your second round picks most likely maybe they give up 29 i don't think that they will i think it's going to be a second round pick but if 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 that was the case you pay frank clark whatever you pay him you still got your first round pick a second round pick and a third round pick to pay, pay to play around with you can really improve that team address other areas i mean that would be that would be a lot of fun chief lutz 11 asks what game is on your radar for the 2019 season i think obviously the patriots game uh for me is a big one um craig i i both los angeles chargers games i i, I want to see this this year they they got the chiefs once i feel like andy reed is going to try and put it on the chargers as much as possible this year man i honestly have not looked a single bit at the chiefs upcoming schedule it is giraffe season right now not look ahead to 2019 season schedule so I was going to go with the Patriots. Kent took them because I didn't know we played them. I was going to then, my backup plan was, well, the Chargers because they just finally beat us. And then Craig went that route. 
So well, I guess the only other team that I know that we play out of the division is Baltimore. And I guess I can watch that triple off triple option offense versus our defense again and see what happens. I'll get more into the schedule once the draft is over, but right now we're trying to figure out who's on the team rather than who we're playing. Maddie, I want to pivot because we were having this conversation earlier, and this I really just wanted to kind of go this direction. I wasn't even going to ask you both who you wanted to who was what game was on your radar because I did want to have this conversation. There's rumors out there uh, that the Chiefs are opening the season with New England on Sunday night. Would you rather play them week one or would you rather play them week 15? Because I think I would rather play them early. I know you would rather play them late. So you go ahead and make the case for late and then I'll close it out with why I think that I would rather play New England early, I think. So yeah, here it is. If you're playing New England early in the season and you beat them, what does it matter? It's just like any other win on the schedule. It's just another one. We might as well play the Raiders or any other team that you can beat early in the season because that is not what playoff or Super Bowl Patriots are. I'd rather play them late in the year, get a litmus test game in right in week 15, right before you can start to, especially if you have a lead in the conference and the division, kind of take your foot off the pedal a little bit and get into healthy going into the playoffs. Play them late in the year. Get the best that they have to offer so you know where you stand. Beating the Patriots early on does nothing for you. They're still figuring it out. They have come out and tell you that they're not playing to win a game in September. They're playing to win the Super Bowl. So who cares if you beat the Patriots early on? It's no different than beating the Arizona Cardinals at that point in time. Whereas a Week 15 win over the Patriots gives confidence and it helps you know where you are and what you're going to be facing going through the playoffs. So that's what it stands for me. I just think in terms of a confidence boost and a competitive edge, it gives you more information when you play a team like the Patriots later in the year. Even if it's a loss, you get more out of that than you get from a win in the beginning of the year. I think there's a lot of arguments like that make sense with what you're saying. Uh, and I, I kind of go back and forth on it too. But at the same time, like what it always comes down to me for me is the Chiefs win in two New England in week one with a new look, you know, with their new looks, with their best looks, without, uh, you know, without anybody having, you know, to be being able to scout them and just and set the world on fire. And I like Andy Reid having all offseason to prep for Bill Belichick early. You know, the, a couple of hangups too. Like, you know, Bill Belichick, it seems like his defenses are always figuring it out over time. And so early in the season, it looks rough and they start figuring things out. I think the Chiefs are going to be in a similar boat too. So that game will be fun. Uh, and obviously, Tom will be 100% healthy at that point because I think week 15-ish for, for Tom Brady last year was rough. So I'm not even sure... Was that was that the was that the Dolphins game? Because like I he he went through a rough stretch, so I'm not even sure you're really getting a good look at at what the Patriots would be that late anyway. But I just think like I I want I want to I want I I want to stack wins, and I know that you want a good barometer late in the year, but like I just want to stack wins. I want to get wins, and winning on the road in New England would be a huge help for home field advantage. And that's really ultimate. I'd rather have a less of an idea of what to expect late in the season against a team like New England. I'd rather have uh, the one seed. Uh, Colby 2 asks, only uh, Sammy Watkins and Byron Pringle are under contract for 2020. The Tyreek situation is obviously uncertain. Shouldn't we be talking about the Chiefs drafting multiple wide receivers next week? And one fairly high. I know we talked a little bit 
about receivers earlier, but should we be should we be more aggressively talking about taking a wide receiver in round one, Maddie? Well, Colby, I'm glad you asked because we should. And I feel like we've done a pretty good job on this podcast talking about, you know, the possibility of a round two wide receiver, which I think in this class counts as a highly drafted wide receiver. But even looking at the two guys that are here in Sammy Watkins and Byron Pringle, one didn't play at all last year. Sammy Watkins' contract is made to get out of after this year. If you don't bring back Tyreek Hill, you're obviously going to keep Watkins around, at least for that final year. But it's a team that needs receivers, especially if Hill isn't in their long-term plan. So yeah, looking as a receiver at pick 29 probably is a backup plan to a defensive player or just the fact that it's the best player available on the board, but it's an option. And if you don't see one there, I would be a little surprised if you get out of day two without seeing a wide receiver drafted by the Chiefs. Because like you said, this is a team that needs wide receivers. They love to spread the field out and use multiple three, four wide receivers at a time. I love Byron Pringle, but I'm not sure I'm ready to have him be the only option in that role right now. Yeah, and not only should they target one this year, I don't know that they should do multiples because next year's class, and I know that everybody hears it and hates (laughs) hearing it, but seriously, next year's wide receiver class is loaded. Bonkers. It's bonkers. It's ridiculous. Like, if you watched any college football this year and went, oh, wow, that receiver's really good. He's in next year's class. Like, (laughs) LaVisca Chenault. Yeah. Every receiver from Bama. Yes. Uh, Who's your guys' favorite receiver going into next year right now? Off the cuff. CD. CD Lamb. Come on now. You can't come out here and take my guy when I ask the question, Greg. <laughs> LaVisca Chanel. I'm, do, I'm going LaVisca. I really like him. I don't know if he's the best player in this class or receiver in this class, but like every time I watch him, I come away just like impressed. Maddie? Yeah. No, I had C.D. Lamb, too. He was my guy once I saw him completely <laughs> lay out Mac Wilson that locked it in. You could um, come up with someone yeah, else? No, I think Jerry Judy. I yeah. believe he, yes. he's, he's up there. Judy. Yeah, and he's a guy that I don't think has quite as much production as some other guys as of right now. Like, he's not catching on, but in terms of how he transitions to the NFL, he's a guy that I'm high up there on. Sorry to interrupt you, Craig. Just no, you threw no, me a bone. No, you're not. I had Absolutely. to come in. <laughs> but, I mean, it makes a lot of sense to add a guy this year, get him integrated, and then bring in a guy next year as a third wide receiver or, you know, shouldering a little more of that load and going forward. And then you have two rookie wide receiver contracts to play with Patrick Mahomes. That works. That's that's a good plan of attack when you're having to pay Patrick Mahomes after 2020. And I just want to add, I think LG Suarez kind of asked a similar question. Uh, I just want to make sure I shout him out. I think something like I'm going to try to do better about that. Is just like if there's multiple of the same questions, we just need to shout everybody out. So shout everybody else out who asked it because. I mean, we want to we want to give you props. We just get a lot of like sometimes we get a lot of the same questions, but you know, you guys all ask great questions. So we appreciate it. Uh, Andrew Metcalf seven asks, how high could you see the Chiefs trading up? Top twenty, top fifteen, top ten, uh, and what player has the best chance of sliding to where the Chiefs trade for him? So, I'll just talk a little bit about like trade up scenarios. I don't think the Chiefs realistically can get up to 13 or any any like that top 15 range i think that's going to be a challenge one scenario i have played through within my head that i think they could do it with is maybe trading um one of their second round picks 
and then a 2020 second round pick potentially to move up to 13. Like if the Dolphins, like I think like the Dolphins are good value. If they really are tanking for 2020 and they want draft capital to make sure that they get their quarterback, like maybe they want an extra second round pick next year. Maybe that's a move that they could do to get all the way up to 13. But I think realistically, uh, a second round pick gets you to about that 17, 18 range and your third round pick will get you into that 21 to 24 range. And I think those are the two plays that actually make sense for the chiefs uh if they're going to do that um i'm going to do this craig mm-hmm. and i'm going to do this for maddie too but i'm going to ask you craig give me one player that has a, a good chance of sliding to let's call it 18 oh let's uh, cleveland farrell's the easy one to pick there but let's let's think a little bit outside the box there um let's go with brian burns uh, okay. we, we've heard that the NFL is a little lower on him than you know us draft analyst types are, but he's a guy that could fall. I don't know that the Chiefs would take him just because he's light, but he, he's a guy that could fall to that 18-ish range. Okay, Maddie, same question. Give me a guy that you think could potentially be there at that 21 to 24 range, and if we just need to say Clellan, we can say Clellan. I mean, Clellan's the obvious, obvious answer there, <laughs> but I think we're going to go... So here's the thing. For us, I think Byron Murphy still being there at that point would be a little bit of a slide. I just don't know if that's going to be the case for the NFL. So to kind of come a little bit out of left field, we're going to say Montez Sweat if the heart condition is going to cause mm-hmm. more issues than we Ooh. think. It sounds like the NFL's more than okay with what he had going on, seeming that they let him work out at the combine. Haven't heard anything about it since. It seems like he passed medical rechecks. But after seeing what happened last year with Maurice Hurst, whose condition seems to be a lot worse, I can't say for certain that everyone's going to feel okay with him and his condition. Add on to that that going into the combine, his tape wasn't seen as the surefire top 15 kind of lock. There's a path that he could fall down a little bit and be there in the early 20s. Oh, man, he'd be I a th- great fit. And I think, that's a fair, I think that's a fair assessment too, Maddie. Like, I mean who knows i i've i i heard someone say this week that you know uh montez sweat might be off the board for some teams because of this just because you know it may not be as severe as what happened with maurice hurst whereas basically the raiders were the only team that had him on the board uh you know i mean maybe 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 he does fall a little bit or or some teams take him off the board uh, Maddie, you can pull that bookmark out from the Jalen Ferguson conversation from earlier because I'm pretty sure he's going to make an appearance on this next question. Tapello Dan <laughs> asks, what are the chances Brett Veach drafts someone out of left field in either the first or the second round? And who is someone you could see him drafting high that would stun the national media or the Arrowhead Pride media? Go. <laughs> so, I, mean, I think there's a lot of options. I think we've talked about them a lot throughout here. Like, I think wide receivers 100% in play for the first round. But we have to talk about it some more. Jalen Ferguson, he's a guy that fits what the Chiefs are looking for at defensive end. Jalen Ferguson is a guy that has a ton of college production. There's a lot of people out there that absolutely love his tape. He just tested extremely, extremely poorly, and Kent Swanson hates him like he hates good food. I'm sure he's a wonderful human being, probably, maybe. He was not know. my favorite interview when I was able to talk to him or hear him talking at the Senior Bowl. No. However, he was not rude. He was not anything like that. He just was not my favorite guy to talk to. But some people love him. He's a guy that's going to go earlier than I think a lot of the quote-unquote haters 
expect him to go. So seeing him go in the top 50, top 75 picks almost seems like a lock to me. And if the Chiefs were a team to do it, I would not be surprised at all. But here's the thing. If this happens, if the Chiefs take Jalen Ferguson in the first two rounds, not only is Kent going to eat a tweet, he is going to do it while running a sub-808 three-cone at the same time. <laughs> On video. Be hard. I'll, I'll would film be it. hard. I'll film it. Oh, as great. much slander as you have, I actually think you need to go out and film yourself running a three-cone, <laughs> and you better hope that it is better than 808. Yeah, I, I think I could. <laughs> I think I could do it. It'd be very hard not to. Uh, Craig, give me someone that you uh, would kind of be surprised to see that she's taking in round one. Well, I'll go a little different here. Let's say it's the end of the first round. A lot of the guys they like on the board are gone. They trade back to the early second. And when it spins back around, a lot of the cornerbacks are on the board and they take Lonnie Johnson out of Kentucky early in the second round. Matt House familiarity, big guy on the outside, NFL loves him more than lots of people do. That would be, uh, that would throw everybody for a loop, especially over a Justin Lane or an Amani Arawarie or a Joe Juan Williams. Yeah, that would be, that would be one. It makes a lot of sense, and that's actually something that we'll be talking about a little bit. That's some of the logic I used for an exercise that we will be talking about on the draft show uh, on Friday because Lonnie Johnson makes an appearance on that show as well uh, with one of the exercises that we all did with Jake. It's going to be fun, but that's that's. I mean, that would make a lot of sense. I, Craig, I'm not sure that they wouldn't take him at 29 because. Uh, I think Daniel Jeremiah mocked him to 20 today. Oh, my goodness. Which I think would be crazy. Mine is another guy that has been getting that like 30-ish range. LJ Collier, the edge from TCU. Um, he didn't test like at a particularly high level for an edge, uh, and that kind of scares me. He's a decent football player. I think we kind of have him fringe day three you know, in that kind of range. That's a guy I... If if the if the media is real about that, like that would surprise me, and I would not be thrilled with that selection. That'd be a very Breland Speaksian selection if he was there at at, at twenty nine. Okay, I want to ask this question. Nate Ch four seventy nine asks hypothetical: How many years of immunity has Andy Reid built up before Clark Hunt thinks of changing the coach? Andy Reid has exactly as much leash as Andy Reid wants. Andy Reid <laughs> is going to be here until he retires. Clark Hunt is going to give him all the leniency in the world. I just don't see a scenario where Andy Reid could screw up enough, especially with how much that he's won since he's been here in Kansas City. They've progressively gotten better. I mean, they were in the AFC Championship game last year. He would have to fail pretty pretty hard for him, for Clark Hunt to be fed up with him and move on to change the coach. So it's until Andy retires. I agree with what Craig is saying. Like, I do think that it's until Andy wants to move on where his stint's going to be over. The only wild card, and I don't see how this would happen, but if there's back-to-back or maybe three kind of losing seasons with a healthy Patrick Mahomes, just based on what we've seen, I don't see how you would not make a change. If something happens and the Chiefs just cannot win games with Patrick Mahomes still playing well, but he just obviously is taking a step back based on the upside you've seen, 
if that happens for multiple years, I don't know how you could just sit there and stick him with Andy Reid. You would have to put the blame somewhere. And if you're not going to put it on Patrick Mahomes, which at this point I don't think you can if you're the Kansas City Chiefs, it would have to go to Andy Reid. That's the only realistic way I could see it happening, not by his own choice. Yeah, these aren't realistic scenarios in which Patrick LeVon Mahomes is doing anything that's keeping this team down. (laughs) I mean, like, if Patrick Mahomes is healthy... I mean, they're they're gonna be in it, which is like it's absurd that Kansas City finally has someone that is like that. But like I don't I don't know if there's any real scenario that like that's realistic unless the Chiefs went 0 and sixteen for two years, but that would be because something bad happened to Patrick Levon Mahomes. And Let, even let's then quit, I let's think quit saying that that grouping of words together. Let's let's stop with that grouping yeah, of words. Yeah, <laughs> no, like you it just it didn't sound right saying it. It, it, like, it is just, very I, weird to call another grown man by his full you just got in trouble by your parents' name, Kent. What are you doing? That's I don't think that's what Craig was talking about. Oh, my bad. I, I think thought, he was I talking about getting mad at you for trying to, to Patrick Levon Mahomes. Patrick Levon Mahomes like he was a child no. that just colored on your workbook. No. No, I will continue to call him Patrick LeVon Mahomes. That will will continue. Kent uh, thinks he's and, a superior quarterback uh, you, to Pat Mahomes, guys. You heard it here first. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Okay. Keith McLean, 78, asks, moving on. For the upcoming draft, do I go with a delicious amber ale that I've enjoyed before, or do I go bold and try something completely new (laughs) yeah you know keith you gotta go with whatever you're comfortable with but i'm saying that you gotta be like brett veach in this draft you gotta go bold go try something completely new today in kansas is cigar city day high ally ipa is here i i'm getting blank stares from everybody that's on this video chat with me but there's somebody out there that's excited about it with me you go out try something new try something bold expand your horizons and if you don't like it well you may not like the draft either so there you go (laughs) (laughs) costco has a baller you're kidding me you're kidding me off-brand Lacroix. i'm just saying (laughs) (laughs) you're gonna you're gonna be drinking Lacroix. LaCroix while while you while we're LaCroix. Uh, while we're doing brand coverage right off brand Costco LaCroix. also has the big 10 pound bags of the EAS protein it's not the best but it'll do in the pinch and it is better than LaCroix I can assure you we are all very on brand tonight <laughs> beer weird Canadian sparkling water and protein shakes off brand hey, weird Canadian sparkling water. Jam- I started with Jameson and then I had to respond to this Costco run for sparkling water. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, lead into the bit, man. That's going to do it for this week's episode. We will talk to you on Friday with the draft show and one more laboratory before the NFL draft. We'll catch you later. Kent just likes saying Lavon.